Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. The big question is this, if government contracting is supposed to be so easy, why do so many companies fail to win even a single contract while others dominate the market? That's the question and this podcast will give you the answers. In today's episode, you go one-on-one with best-selling author and master business coach Michael Lejeune to learn exactly how to take your government contracting business to the next level. I want to talk to you today about the real reason that most companies aren't growing. The biggest challenge that I see is that a lot of folks don't take their business seriously, especially when you're just starting out. So if if this is not you, I don't mean to offend you in any way, but if this is you, maybe you need to be offended a little bit today. Most companies, when they're starting out, are really focused on the lifestyle side of the business. And that's a very attractive side of things. In fact, most people actually quit working for a company to go work for themselves because they want freedom and flexibility and lifestyle and to to spend time with their family and, and, and all of those sort of things. And all of those things are great. Those are all great things. Those are great reasons to start a business. But at the end of the day, the business needs to bring in money. That's just, that's a requirement for it to keep going. It has to bring in money. Money comes first, freedom and flexibility comes second. Now, when you get started, if you have some cash and a lot of people do have a little bit of cash, then hey, you can have a little bit of that freedom and flexibility. And you know what? In any given day, there's only so much work that you can get done. That's the truth. But what I've found is a lot of entrepreneurs, when I first start talking to them about their business and it's young, it's a really young business, either it's just them or it's maybe they have three or four employees. And out of those employees, one of them is a spouse. One of them is a brother or cousin or something. And, you know, they have one real employee other than family. When I see that with a lot of companies, what I find is they're just, they're spending too much time enjoying themselves and not doing what they need to do in the business. Now, there's some people that are working really, really hard. They're working 18 hours a day and they're doing the wrong stuff. 
So that's a challenge too. So if you're doing the wrong stuff, you could work 24 hours a day and you're never going to move the ball forward. But again, most of the people that I talk to, they're not doing enough and they're not doing the right things to begin with. They're really focused on the freedom and flexibility. And, and I'll tell you, here's, here's a quick story. Back in the day, about 15 years ago, I used to be a coach's coach for a coaching franchise. And I would coach about 50 coaches every single week, one-on-one. And coaches would tell me, hey, well, I max out at, you know, six or eight clients. You know, I just, I can't coach more than that. I'm like, I'm coaching 50 of you on about two and a half, three days a week. That's right. 50 clients in two and a half to three days a week. Now I had a couple of my days that I would coach 18 clients in one single day. Now, why would I do something like that? I would do that because once I got in a groove with coaching, I got better at it. And I would just stay in this groove and I could get through their issues. Most of them had a lot of the same issues. And so I was finding little ways to, to just make the coaching better and streamline by, you know, taking really good notes and duplicating the stuff I have. And I would send it to all my coaches so that they, you know, they got the, the value of every coaching session I got, not just the one we were on. And so I just made my, I, I made all these systems and put all these things in place to make things easier. But the point is I was hustling on those two, three days a week, getting it all done and using the other couple of days for my sanity so that I wasn't coaching five days a week, eight, nine hours a day, because it can be really, really draining coaching that much at, at one time. And so people were astonished at how I could coach that much in just two and a half, three days. And it was just, my point was, it's the systems we put in place, how we do it. And hey, most clients don't need an hour. That's just, you're just wasting time and, and you're taking up valuable time from both people. Most people only need 15 to 20 minutes of coaching here or there. And when I was done, I was done. I'd move to the next coach. And that was a part of it. But but let me back up for a minute. While I was doing that, I got to hear a lot of excuses from coaches. So these, these are people that are professional coaches. All they do is help people get better, right? And I got to hear a lot of excuses. And the excuses were typically things that involve the lifestyle side of the business. So I had this one coach where she was talking to me about how she had to meditate for three hours in the morning and three hours in the evening. And then she had all these other personal things that had to get done. I'm like, so in any given day, how much time do you have to actually dedicate to your business? And when we sat down and went through that, I think that's when the light bulb really went off for her because she was like, oh, I only have three to four hours a day that I can dedicate to my business. And during that three or four hours, I don't even know what to do. I, can you imagine that? And so I was like, look, I understand you got in this for the freedom and flexibility, but all you're doing is freedom and flexibility stuff, lifestyle stuff. You're not growing your business. You're not taking this seriously. And if this continues in another six, eight, nine months, you're going to be out of cash and you're going to be in a world of hurt and you will you will lose all flexibility you have because you're going to lose your business. You're going to be in a situation where you've got to start looking for a job and you're only about six months away from that because you're so focused on all this other stuff. And in fact, probably one of the reasons you've got to meditate for six hours a day is the stress you've put on yourself because you're not growing your business. And, and I don't want to take away from people, you know, doing things that they think help them whether it's meditation or whatever, prayer, it doesn't matter to me, whatever that is. But if, if you're compensating for doing the work by doing those things, you've got a problem and you need to balance that stuff and think rationally about it. So let me give you a couple of tips today for people that are struggling to grow their business. And for me, the people that I think may not be taking it seriously enough, or you don't even know that you're not taking it serious, right? So here's a couple of things. The first one is, do you have a plan? 
Because if you don't have a plan, how are you ever going to lead yourself or anyone else? You've got to have a plan. And, and I'll tell you what, let me stop for a second. I don't want anybody to listen to this podcast today and feel like, you know, I'm coming after you. No, most people need a reality check. And so hopefully this can be a reality check for somebody listening today that, hey, you know, I've not been doing the things I need to do. I need to take this more seriously and I need to, you know, buckle down and focus. And I need to to do that for the next several years. See, maybe it's the next two, three, five years. Really buckle down and focus to get this business going where it needs to be so that you can open up all of this freedom and flexibility on the back end. Because that's where I'm at. I'm at a place where, yeah, I can shut down work at noon, one o'clock because I get up early, I focus on the business. I'm still putting in probably eight to 10 hours a day all the time, but I have the flexibility because I've been putting in hard work for 15 years. 15 years of just growing the business and doing little things here and there, whatever it took, nights and weekends, that kind of stuff. That's why I have the freedom and flexibility I have now to do the things I love in our business. So a little side note there. But if you are struggling with this, just bear with me for a few more minutes and listen to the advice that I have. So number one, get a plan. Let's put a plan in place. Where are you going with the business? What are some important milestones that you have? You know, just having a roadmap will not only help you, it'll help anybody you bring onto your team, okay? We're gonna talk about the team here in a little bit, but because if you don't know where you're going, you can't lead anyone, okay? If you don't know where you're going, you can't lead anyone. And that's really important for you to grasp. It's really important for you to have a plan. And look, it's not important that you hit everything on the plan. So if you don't accomplish everything on the plan, that doesn't mean you're a loser or a failure. You just adjust the plan and you move forward next time. So let's say you, you build a 12-month plan, you don't hit all your goals. Okay, well, why didn't you hit your goals? Let's take a look at that when we develop the next one. You still need a plan, even if you're not hitting it 100%. And I'll tell you this, if you're hitting it 100%, did you make it too easy on yourself? So I'd rather see somebody make an aggressive 12-month plan and miss it, even by a lot, than somebody who makes a weak plan and exceeds it by a lot, okay? Hear the difference there? I'd rather you make a really aggressive plan and miss it than make a plan that's so easy you knock it out in the first couple of months. If you're knocking it out in the first couple of months, you're not being hard enough on yourself. You're not, you're not pushing yourself for greatness in this whole thing. So make a really good plan that's hard to achieve in 12 months, but it is doable. That's the thing. It's hard to achieve, but it's doable. The next thing is you got to get the hustle in. You got to get the hustle in. So people are always telling me everything, you know, that that they're doing and they say, "Hey, look, we're doing everything that we need to do." You know, we're making the phone calls, we're writing proposals, we're doing this, we're doing that. And so I'll just step back and say, well, you know, how many phone calls a week are you doing? Especially in the beginning, how many phone calls are you doing? A two or three a week, two or three a week. That's not even one a day. So how many proposals are you, uh, proposals are you submitting? You know, one or two a quarter, not even one a month. So in the beginning, you should be prospecting 78, 70 to 80% of your time because you don't have any business. You don't have a ton of business. You've got time to go chase business. So you should be investing your time going to get more business. Does that make sense? You should be investing your time into getting more business and growing the business because you have time to do it. And that's where your, your time needs to be spent. Now, as you grow, that's probably going to decrease. So maybe only 50%, 40% of your time is going to be spent prospecting because the other percent is going to be serving your customers and focusing on retention. 
Like, how do I keep these customers? How do I get them into another contract or whatever it may be? And that's going to be through performance. You've got to perform to keep those customers. So in the beginning, it's not two or three calls a week. It's probably two or three calls a day, maybe even five a day to different people, even if it's just gathering intelligence and that sort of thing, talking to potential teaming partners. You know, there's all kind of phone calls you can be making, but you've got to be doing that. When it comes to proposals, you probably need to be responding to two or three a month in the beginning. Again, you have the time. Why not respond to more? Why not? And, and they don't all have to be RFPs. In fact, a lot of times you should have maybe a 60, 40 or 70, 30 ratio where most of what you're doing is responding to RFIs and sources sought. So did you hear that too? So you're not necessarily going after RFPs every single time, but you're at least trying to influence the future acquisitions. So those are things you should be doing and you should be doing a lot of it, not just one or two here and there. So think about that. You get to the end of the year and you've written five proposals and, and your win rate is only 20%. So even if you won your max, you've only won one contract. So at a minimum, you've got to get that up to what? 20, 30 proposals a year, RFIs, different things to, to again, to influence stuff. So you've got to get those numbers up. You got to get the hustle in. If you don't have the hustle in, you can't expect any results. The next thing you've got to do is you've got to start putting systems in place. You got to start documenting everything you do because you won't be able to determine what's working and what's not if you don't document everything. So systems are going to be really, really important to all this. And uh, there is going to be a playbook in Federal Access on this. So if you're a Federal Access member, there's a playbook we're getting ready to release on systems and just how easy this is to do it without overcomplicating it. So look for that here in the very near future if you're a Federal Access member. If you're not a Federal Access member, go become one. There's a lot of really good stuff. There's over 300 documents and templates in Federal Access. Uh, you know, there's a hundred videos between the, the playbook videos and the webinars and all that stuff. A lot of really good stuff there. But again, this is not a commercial for federal access, but just a, a really good side note. So systems will help you to also hand off tasks to other people. So you can't leverage your time if you don't start making systems because you can't just hand things off and say, well, go do it. Well, they don't know what to do. They don't know how it should look or how it should feel. They don't know how your company operates if you don't have a system for it. So anyway, systems are a big deal there. The final thing is you, you've got to build the team. And that's where most people, they, they really struggle with that first hire. And so whether you've gone through this or not already, the first hire is really, really critical. And in fact, the first hire needs to be able to play most, most of the positions in the company. They need to be uh, more of an operational role, but somebody who's very versatile so that they can move back and forth through the company doing things and really help to compensate for your shortcomings. Because I guarantee if you're the owner and you're listening to this, you've got shortcomings and you you need somebody who can fill those gaps. Somebody who, yes, they are enough like you that they can step in in your place anytime you need them to, but they're also different enough that they just, it just makes it easy for you to do business because now you've got somebody who's strong in areas that you're weak. Okay, that's really, really important. The second hire you make is probably going to be somebody that's going to either do sales directly or and eventually lead a sales team. Or depending on the types of contracts you have, it's going to be more of a project manager type of person who's going to run those and make sure they're running smoothly. So it's going to be one of those two. But then the the fourth one or, or third or fourth one is going to be the other one. So if you hire the PM first, then the next one's probably going to be sales. If you hire the sales first, then the PM's probably 
probably going to be after that. And so that's how you'll get to a point where you can start to scale. And so that's what we're trying to do in a business. Because if you've got to do all the work and you've got to stay engaged, you will never have a lifestyle of freedom and flexibility. In order to get there, you've got to hustle and bring in the contracts, put systems in place, and then put people in place. Because eventually it's the people that actually help you get freedom and flexibility. And so if you have questions about this, hit me up as always. I'd love to talk to you about it. If you need coaching in this, reach out to us. Let's hop on a, on a call and talk about how we can help you through one of our coaching services. We've got several coaches on board that have, have done billions of dollars in government contracts and would love to talk to you about helping you through this process. So as always, thanks for listening today. I really appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash game changers.